You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. We bless you because it is well with every one of us here. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Praise the Lord. Good evening, LifePoint. Praise the Lord. Can we put our hands together and just celebrate Jesus? I mean, do it for Jesus. Imagine he's sitting next to you and just want to say, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. You are too good. You know, can we just, you know, do that for him? Praise God. Praise God. Are we, are we happy to be here? Yeah? Um, how's our day been? Yeah? Someone says, all right. Any other? Someone says, good. Yay. Excellent. I love that. Praise God. Praise God. Any other comments? How's your day been? Maybe you just want to whisper it to the person next to you. Right? Amazing. Thank you so much for that. That's like way up there. Amazing. Excellent. Praise God. Um, thank God so much um, for all of us. I'm so glad that we could make it here. I know the weather has been slightly challenging, you know. So, but thank God you're in church. It's a place to just relax, take off your shoes. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm in God's presence. <laughs> you know, and I just want to just soak in everything that he has for us. Um, as I sat down there, I was saying to myself, okay, so I'm a girl with a sword this evening. <laughs> like, I, I feel like God has given me a few things to say, and I'm trusting him to help me say it. Praise God. And um, the funny thing about this is as I thought about, you know, the topic for today and prepared, it was, you know how so much is like the dagger is to you? Like, oh, God. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not so much about, I'm trying to, teach a message or preach a message it was also I was talking to myself I felt God like you know talking to me so this message you know comes home and you know that we are talking about freedom in the month of October freedom today specifically we're talking about freedom from fear um, free to saw you know and um, like I said it's a message that is very real to me it's a message that you know um, I'm sure I'll keep telling myself every day because the fears that we face are not one-offs, they just come at us, you know, every single day. And fear is such a universal, universal um, phenomenon, let me put it that way. You know, we all experience fear in one form or the other. But you see, in the month of October, as God will help us at LifePoint, we'll be talking about freedom, freedom from um, very many things. And for every Sunday and Thursday that we will gather, we will take an aspect of Freedom, the freedom that Jesus Christ purchased for us from the cross, you know, at the cross. And we'll be trusting God that in every area where it appears we're not yet working in the freedom that was given to us, you know, by Jesus, that we'll begin to see the manifestation of his word and his promise and his intention over our lives. Amen. Amen. So freedom is so, is so important. I'm so excited. So as much as you can, don't miss Thursday services. Invite a friend. Sunday services. Bring someone along. You know, and together, let's discover what the word of God says about us and how that we begin to walk in the fullness of what God has done for us, what Jesus has purchased for us. You know, this freedom wasn't cheap. You, you know that, right? It cost Jesus a lot. It cost God his son. It cost Jesus his life. And so I can imagine that every time he looks at you and to me, at, at me, his children, and he sees us walking in ways that are beneath what he's purchased, he's saying, uh-uh, this is not what I paid for now. This is not what I paid for. Joko, 
arise. <laughs> this is not what I paid for, oh God. Come on. What are you doing? Praise God. And so it's important that in this month of October, I really trust in God that we would break through the chains, whatever it is that has held us bound, we would break through and begin to walk in the freedom that was purchased for us. Praise God. You know, I was listening to um, uh, a man of God recently, and, you know, he was preaching from John 8, verse 36, and says, who the Son of Man has set free is free indeed. And you know that the Bible, like, God doesn't really play with his words. You know, he, I mean, he tells Moses, when Moses goes to meet, you know, he's meeting with God, you know, at the burning bush, and he says, okay, I hear everything you're telling me to tell the Israelites. And he says, so who do I say sent me? And God tells him, say, I am. He'd be like, if someone says I am, he'd be like, yeah, you are what now? <laughs> I am what? Am I Shade? Am I Funke? No, but God doesn't add anything. He just says what? I am. You know? So flip back to where I was, John 8, 36. And he says, he that the son of man has set free is what? Free indeed. He didn't say free just says free indeed. Exactly. One version says free through and through. Truly free. And you know, so God doesn't mean words. And you know, listening to this man of God, he says there's truly a separation between free and free words indeed. And the analogy that came to mind was there's this TV series I used to like, that I liked so much, um, called Prison Break. Yeah? yeah? Was that so far back? Okay. I was scared. I was like, I don't know how many years ago that was, but <laughs> I wonder if people know prison break, you know? <laughs> okay, so, I mean, prison break, and, you know, it's, it's a story about this, you know, these guys and their friends, and they're in prison for one reason or the other, but, you know, and while they're in prison, they're planning their escape. So it's about four seasons, and the first season is all about planning this escape, and then the next three seasons are about you know, how they escaped and how they were not truly free. So they got out of prison. But, I, I, I mean, watching them, you, you could, you, I think their life was better off when they were in prison. Because the journey from free to free indeed cost them a lot. That helps us begin to understand how that is a difference between being free and what? Free indeed. So these ex-convicts, they escaped prison, but they kept looking back. Every policeman, they would dock. You know, they would disguise themselves. It was a torturous journey. So for three seasons, they were running. They were on the run, running running from the law, running from policemen, running from every man or woman on the street because they were wanted. And so that isn't freedom, is it? No, that isn't freedom. And when we think about that verse of scripture, John 8, 36, free indeed. I hope in our minds we begin to realize that there is truly freedom indeed. You know, they were free, those ex-convicts, but they were not truly free until they finally got to a country called Panama and the United States government couldn't reach them there. Then, yes, they could go to the beach and not look behind them thinking, who is watching, who is not watching me, and things like that. So I believe that as we look, in this, look at freedom in this month of October, you know, that is the kind of freedom, you know, God is... Jesus is calling us to free indeed. Not the freedom where, you know, we are still looking behind us and hoping that um, the accuser of the brethren is not pulling us back, looking behind us and still held back by our past, looking behind us and still, you know, afraid, looking behind us and still, fear, I mean, afraid 
thinking, am I really saved? I've done so many bad things, you know, in the past. Am I really free from sin? You know, Jesus is saying, that's not what I paid for. I paid for free indeed, free indeed. You know that Galatians 4.1 says, if a son is underaged, right? A son that is underaged or a son that is still, sorry, a hair that is still underage or a hair that is a child is no better than what? A slave. Think about that. So he says, you own the whole estate. Everything I have is yours. But because you're still underage, you don't realize what it is that you have. You are no better than what? A slave. That's what scripture says. So that is why freedom is so important. We need to begin to realize who we are in Christ, what he's purchased for us. Because it says, when we're in Christ Jesus, we're new what? Creations. All things have what passed away. All things have become what? New. You are not an upgrade. You are not version 1.1. You know how these versions come? 1.1, you know? This kind of things. No. Bible says, he that is in Christ is what? Is a new creation. All things. The old has passed away. All things have become new. So the ogre you see today is not the ogre before she met Jesus. She's brand what? New. Factory reset. Praise God. Praise God. So today we'll be looking at the first concept of freedom we want to talk about. And that is freedom from what? Fear. Amen. Freedom from fear. Now, I said before that it was a topic that, you know, was close to my heart because when P.I. told me, okay, so you speak to us, encourage us on freedom from fear, I'm like, say, what now? Like, <laughs> me? <laughs> you know I don't do public speaking. You know I don't do preaching. And already the fears were already, you know, <sighs> you know, and he says, I don't care what you say. <laughs> you are going to speak to us on Thursday. And truly, when the Bible says fear has torment, oh, I've been sweating. I'm like, God, what do you want me to say? What kind of trouble is this? You know, I'm just trying to give, just trying to help you see how fear is such, such a horrible thing. The Bible says fear has torment. It's such a horrible thing. And it stands between us and our word, promise. So we'll look at a few things we would share today from God's word. And I trust God that as we look at this, that somebody begins to get angry. The, the, the messages to the month of October to get you angry. To say, you know what? Jesus didn't pay for this. Enough. Enough. Enough of this being held back by fear. Enough. You know, I'm walking in faith. So but let's quickly go into um, some big questions that I think I want us to answer. And at the very start of it is, what is fear? You know, exactly what is fear? Um, psychologists and scientists will tell us that fear is um, a natural human reaction, right? So a natural human reaction is a chemical reaction that um, enables you respond to the threat of what? Danger. So, I mean, you're walking on the road and you see this lovely tree, you're admiring it. And all of a sudden, the big branch is breaking. If you stand there smiling and admiring it, something's wrong with you. <laughs> you know, the natural reaction is to what? Take off and protect yourself from what? Danger. And that fear is pretty much 
normal. It's part of the chemical reactions in our body to hide, to run away, to dock, to just, you know, remove ourselves from the face of what danger. However, though, when we go into scripture, Bible describes fear as what? A spirit. It says in Timothy, and that was Paul talking to Timothy, after telling him so many things, he comes again to say, Timothy, my dear, if you would succeed in this life and in this ministry that God has given you, I want you to know one thing. And that one thing is that God hasn't given you the spirit of what? Fear. And that was Paul talking to Timothy. God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. And he's saying that to us again today. I haven't given you what? The spirit of fear. But of what? Of power, of love, and of a sound mind. I know sometimes you just feel like, am I really sane? Sometimes like eight, nine things going in my head. I'm like, okay, I have a sound mind. I have a sound mind. I'm not crazy. You know? <laughs> but that is what God has given us. So when we look at fear, Bible says, calls it what? A spirit. And if God didn't give that spirit of fear, then we know who did, right? Because God doesn't do fear. He doesn't do fear. And you are a child of God in his image and likeness. Your God and your Father doesn't do what? Fear, right? Um, I would also want to add that fear is a belief system. It's a scenario where you look at a challenge and look at an issue and have judged yourself, yourself incapable of surmounting it. And it's, as, it's on the same platform as faith. I see fear as the opposite of faith. So if we can believe and trust and, and have faith, in the same vein, fear is a belief system. When one says, I give me this mountain, you know, I can go through it, I would, I would do this. Fear says, uh-uh, I'm doing this. And fear is in the opposite direction, running, right? It's a belief system. It's what you've chosen to believe. And so as we, the big questions I'll be looking at this evening is, so what are the sources of this fear, right? And we would together look at God's word and analyze some things so that we become clear on why it is that we allow fear rule over us when the Bible says, you haven't been given the spirit of what? Fear. Praise God. So, um, like I said, on the other side of fear, imagine. On the other side of fear is your word, is your freedom. On the other side of fear is your word, is your promise. On the other side of fear, or the road to your promise is faith. And it's so apart. And I can begin to see why almost, scholars tell us that there are 365 times in the Bible where God tells us what? Do not fear. Do not be afraid. So that means probably every book in the Bible has something to say about fear. That means it's so phenomenal. It's something that is important to the heart of God because apparently it stops us from our promise. It stops us from getting that which God has designed us to get. You know, 360-something times, do not fear. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. So I want us to go into um, scripture, just to read a passage of scripture before we begin to speak some more and quickly, you know, about, you know, fear and what God has done for us and why and how we can be free. If you would join me, it's just a slightly long passage in the scriptures. Exodus 14, 5 to 14. We'll start from verse 5. Exodus 14, 5 to 14. 
Um, it should be on the screens, but I think I'll just go ahead and read. So it says, now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servant was turned towards, turned against the people. And he said, why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariots, and he took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. Eight, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. Praise God. Verse nine, so the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea, beside Pi Hyriot, before Baal Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. They were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt, why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not, is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he would accomplish for you today. For the Israelites whom you see today, you shall see again no more. The Lord will fight for you and you would hold your peace. Hallelujah. The Lord will fight for you and you would hold your peace. So, I mean imagine the Israelites, they've been in captivity for 400 years plus, you know, and then all of a sudden, Moses shows up and begins to say, you know what, I am has sent me to you. And from one plague after another, God used, God permitted the Egyptians. Like, you know, when you, you, it's almost like you say an ant, you know, you use a hammer to kill an ant. He kind of dealt with them severely and the Israelites saw all of this up until the last plague where the firstborn son of every Egyptian family you know died and the Israelites left Egypt with gold with silver with everything that they desired from the Egyptians they took you know and they went out with joy and they were on their journey to the promised land excited in fact I think it was in verse 8 where it said they went out with what boldness boldness and then all of a sudden the last three verses or so that we read we see that boldness change to what extreme fear because now they lift up their eyes and they see that the egyptians that they thought they had left behind in egypt are actually coming after them and right in front of them is what the red sea and they're like my god this promised land to hell with it please no you should have left us behind in Egypt. Let us serve the Egyptians and die there and not die in the wilderness. You know, it, it surprised me how that these people moved from seeing God do so many terrible acts of righteousness on their behalf. 
and on the journey to their promised land. It says they went out with what? Boldness. And then in the next few verses, a circumstance and a situation had already made them do what? Change their perception, change their outlook, and already they were afraid. They were ready to go back and say, Pharaoh, please take us back. I'm sorry. Please <laughs> forgive our childishness. How could we have thought that we can actually leave your service? Please. They were ready to go back. And I can see how, you know, why God is so upset with fear and why he, he addresses it so often in scriptures. Do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. Because these were the Israelites who already had a promise, who had seen God do so much. And yet, at the fa- in the face of one circumstance, they turned around and said, I'm not going anymore. That promised land, you can have it, Moses, you and your God. Let us go back to where we are coming from and be slaves. And be slaves. Can you begin to imagine the heart of God? I'm like, 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 what? Your, your descendants 400 years over have been slaves. I have wrought this deliverance. I've done so many things. And yet, at the sight of this circumstance, your trust and belief in my ability dies. Because that's what fear says. I don't really think you can do it, God. Are you sure? Are you sure you are able? That's the definition of the fear. Of fear. That's why God t- speaks, as it, speaks at it so much. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. You know? So, question on my heart was, so, Lord, why are we sometimes so scared? Why are we sometimes so quick to forget everything you've done, you know, and focus on the challenge that is right in front of us, that it blinds us to what you can do? And so I come to what are the sources of fear? Begin, let's think about it. What are the sources of fear? The first thought on my mind as I, you know, prepared for this message is, one is... I mean, it it may seem very obvious, but one source of fear is the enemy. When scripture says, I have not given you the spirit of fear, like I said earlier, you know who gave it. If God didn't give it, you know who has given it. You know, and that the devil knows, and he's your enemy. So if I was your enemy, I wouldn't always wait for you to, you know, arrive at your full potential and come and attack you. Part of my strategy will be to what? Stop you from getting to your potential, ain't it? You know, and the devil has been playing this game all the while. Think about Jesus when he was born. Through Herod, he says, kill, kill, kill every child under two. This king that they say they saw must not amount to anything. Kill, kill, kill. And that was it, you know. Think about the child Moses. What was happening at the time he was born? You know, if I was your enemy, I wouldn't always wait for you to amount to what I was, what I think you are able to get to. I would, and then attack you. I wouldn't always. I think a better strategy is to even prevent you from getting there. And that's what the enemy does when he introduces fear. Because fear stops you in your track. And so we're not talking about the fear of, you know, cockroaches. We're talking about that kind of fear that stops you from laying hold on what God has already given you. We're not saying fight for it. We're saying what? Lay hold and take it. And that's why God addresses fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Because it's a strategy of the enemy to do what? Stop you from getting to where God has called you to be. So number one source of fear, as I thought about this, is the enemy. I listened to a, a, a lady. I was listening to a podcast, The Woman of God. And she was saying, you know what? That sometimes when I'm considering if to do it,
when I'm faced with decisions, that one way she senses, and she's praying about it, that she senses that um, probably this is what I should do, is when she's considering one or two options, and she feels like this option, like option A, she isn't going for it because she's scared. And she goes, uh uh, no, hold on. Fear, I recognize that. You know, uh uh, you're not doing this to me. I see, I see, I see what you're doing here. So, why am I not going for option A? Simply because I'm scared, I'm afraid, I'm intimidated, you know. And in her mind, she says, There, I pause. I begin to think, if the devil wants me so bad not to do this, it must also mean that there's a huge promise in that for me. That in that step is my destiny. So think about it. If the devil is stopping you so, so hard and is fighting you so hard from doing X or Y or Z, have you considered that probably in doing that is that big plan that God has for you? Is probably in doing that is a fulfillment of purpose. Probably in doing that is a road to destiny. Have you thought about that? Because like I said earlier, the strategy of the enemy is not just to wait for you to get there. It's to prevent you from doing what? Getting there. And that's what fear does. It prevents you from what? Getting there. Praise God. Um, Another source of fear, as I thought about this and I looked at the story of the Israelites, is that when when we feel fear, when we fear is stopping us in our tracks, Something that is happening in our minds and we may not know is that we are only seeing the present. We are doing what? Only seeing the present. I said, I may not see very big things, but these are little things, you know, little arsenals in our armory that we should begin to be conscious of. So every time you feel fear towards a particular challenge or tax or something you sense God is calling you to do or something you think you should be doing. Ask yourself, what am I looking at? What am I seeing? You know, the Israelites, when they faced the Red Sea, all they saw was what? The Egyptians. I mean, there was a vast army, so I'm sure they turned to the north, Egyptians. Egyptians. I'm like, God, we are surrounded, Egyptians. And they go to Moses, like, hey, take us back, take us back, take us back. And Moses, I can imagine Moses just chilling and saying, stand still. I'm like, Moses, are you okay? I see people are coming after us. They are running. The horses are saying, stand still. Moses had to be saying something. Stand still. Like, that is so not what to do when you're under attack. It's to, Moses, we should be running. Are you sure I shouldn't get ready to fight? Shouldn't we begin to make boats to cross this Red Sea? No, he said, stand still. And see the salvation of God. We're like, what? And I remember the story of Elijah. Elijah was another prophet of God who was surrounded by the army from King Syria. And just to I mean, tell us the story, this was Elijah. And I mean, the King, Sy- king Syria was always against king, the king of Israel. The king of Syria, sorry, was always against the king of Israel. And um, he was told that Elijah was that prophet who would know what was happening, what he was planning in his bedroom. And go tell the king of Israel. So he sent his soldiers after Elijah, Elisha. And they came. And when they came, um, they were surrounded again, just like the people of Israel. They were surrounded. Elijah was surrounded. And his servant gets up and says, "Um, Elijah, um, Elisha, sorry, 
are, are, are you seeing what I'm seeing? <laughs> we are surrounded. We are surrounded. We are surrounded. You know, there's danger. And he was visibly afraid. And you know, at that moment, Elisha says, those that are with us are more than those that are against us. And you know, he didn't pray. I found it very funny that he didn't pray, dear Lord, calm his fears. He didn't pray, dear Lord, um, um, what are the kind of prayers? Fire the enemies, you know. Let him, let him see something that would make him relax. His prayer was, dear God, open his eyes. That was all the servant needed. Open my eyes. And as we pray today, and like I said, I'm not here to preach something so that probably you haven't heard. You know, but it's to remind you about who you are in Christ and begin to pray some prayers. He says, open his eyes, as simple a prayer as that. His op- the opening of the servant's eyes was a solution to his fears. So probably, probably sometimes when we face those fears, the prayer we should pray is, dear God, do what? Open my eyes to see. And that was what happened. The eyes of the servant was opened and he saw chariots of fire in the hills. And then when he saw differently, he could do what? He could relax. Like, ah, okay. I see what you see. Truly, those that are for us are more than those that are against us. So sometimes when we fear, the solution or the problem or the source of the fear is that we are seeing wrongly. We are not seeing what we should see. And the prayer should be, God, open my eyes. What am I not? What am I missing? What do I need to see? To, en- to encourage and ginger the faith that I need to take hold of this promise, take hold of this thing you've asked me to do. Praise God. And the third source of fear, as I thought and meditated about this, is um, when we are afraid, we invariably have written an equation. And that equation is circumstance, situation, greater than. Not equal to, mm-mm, greater than Ogochuku. I've equated my ability to overcome this circumstance to just what it is, my ability alone. I've assumed that it's just my um, abilities that would deal with this circumstance. I forget that Ogochuku is not alone. It's Ogochuku and God. Ogochuku, a child of God. You know, this was Gideon. And, and, I, and I so love God because every time he sees us, he's calling out our position. He's not looking at our situation. And that's the freedom we're talking about tonight. That move from your situation and begin to take your words, position, position as a hair and not a slave. And every time God sees us, he's calling us to our position. He's saying, leave your situation and come to what? Your position. And why, why do we get afraid? Because many times we've written the equation as if all depends on us. And we forget that we have a father who says, I will be with you. I would hold your hand. Gideon was, you know, an Israelite. And the Israelites were being attacked by the Midianites. And there he was. Scripture says, you know, threshing wheat by the wine press, trying to hide from the Midianites. And the angel comes to him and says, Hello, Gideon, mighty man of valor. I'm like, 
uh, what are you call him, mighty man. Me that is hiding. I'm trying to stay away from the mighty man of valor. How? I have not even fought a war. But that is what you are. That is what God calls you. He sees your IBK and says, IBK, prince over nations. He sees you, Aisha, and calls you princess over palaces. You know, he calls your position. And today he's calling us out, calling you out. Stop looking and seeing this circumstance and situation. And begin to see that you are a child of God. And he's placed you far above principalities and what powers. He's given you dominion. He's called you to be a heir because that's what you are. That is what he paid for on the cross. And he looks at Gideon and says, mighty man of valor. You are hiding, but you are a mighty man of valor. Do you know that? The first thing Gideon says, well, Anna, I'm from the smallest tribe in Israel. And that is where that source of fear comes again. Because Gideon equated his ability to be a mighty man to where he's from. And every time you're afraid, you're saying, this is all about me, right? I, I can't do this. I'm going to say, why do you keep saying I and I and I? It's you and I. I am in you. I am fighting through you. I'm living in you. You are my child. And he calls you by the position he's given you. And he's saying, leave. Stop seeing your situation. Begin to see your position. Praise the Lord. And the last source of fear, as I thought about this, and what scripture says, you know, is, um, can I ask us, can somebody just, can you begin to think about the worst thing that can ever happen to you? Like, oh no, God, if this happens, I can't deal. You know, just take it. A few seconds. Think about it. Like, if this happens, Lord, ah, this, can, this is just the worst. You know, so scared. You're so afraid. You know, think about it for a second. Okay, pause. Relax. I can see fear already. <laughs> I can see some people cringe. I'm like, Ugh. I don't know what you thought about. You know, but I'm saying relax. And why did I say relax? Because your God is not that kind of God. Bible says that perfect love cast out fear. If we read 1 John 1, 1 John 4, 18, I want to quickly, quickly read that as I begin to, you know, round up. 1 John 4, 18. It can be on the screen. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fear has not been made perfect in love. Sources of fear. First John 4, 18, yes. Because he who fears has not been made perfect in love. I asked us to, asked us to carry out that exercise. And I, can already, I could already see some really sad looking faces. And I had to say pause. Because the God whose you are isn't a wicked God. The thoughts he has for you are not thoughts of evil. Their thoughts of good to give you a future and a hope. But the problem is, do you know it? Do you know it? Because as I said, think about the worst thing that could happen. I could already see people do like, oh God, if you allow this to happen, it'll be too much. And God is looking and says, that means you don't know my heart. Because when you have fear, it means love is not perfect. I didn't say it. It's scripture. It says, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. 
So every time we, we allow ourselves, and I'm not saying there will be times when you feel fear. What I'm saying is that when fear comes, you don't bring out snacks and small chops and sit down with fear and say, yes, let's have a party. No, that's what I'm saying. You don't begin to have tea and drink. You know, this thing is actually too hard. I can't. That's, not, that's what I'm saying. That from today, that God has freed you from this tea party, small chops eating um, scenario you have with this spirit called what? Fear. What God is saying is that when you see, you say, ah, ah, fear, I recognize you. And not today. Not today. Not today. Today I'm mounting off with wings as eagles. Today I'm walking and I, I'm, I'm running and I will not faint. Today I'm laying hold of the promise that God has given me. Fear, not today. Not today. That is what I'm saying. Would you feel fear sometimes? Yes. But like I said, you won't pull out the tea and the coffee and the biscuits and begin to have fun and begin to sip with fear and, you know, both of you wallow and discuss why we cannot take that mountain, why we cannot do X or Y or Z because we are afraid. The Bible says, when you are afraid, my love is not yet perfected in you. That means you don't understand the fullness of my love towards you. You don't understand that I would give everything for you. You don't understand that I would do the things that have never been done for you. Because that's what he did for the Israelites. Nobody, I swear, the Egyptians were running towards them. They knew, ah, their own is finished today. Hey, we are their back. In front of them is the Red Sea. Their own is finished. But they forgot that these were children of God whom God will move hell and high water for. And he parted that sea. You know, there's a movie called Ten Commandments, right? And I was listening to someone. She says, um, the graph, graphic artist who, prepared, who, 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 who made that movie spent 18 months trying to simulate an ocean, a body of water, actually parting into two. 18 months. What God did like this. So would you begin to understand the love God has for you, my child? That's what he's saying. Because every time you fear, you don't understand my heart and it breaks my heart. I sat in heaven and would not allow you remain a slave and I sent Jesus. That's how much I love you. And throughout, throughout scripture, this Bible is about a love story. It's about God saying, you are mine. You are mine. I have called you by my name. You are mine. The Bible is a love story. From Genesis up onto Revelation is a love story. So every time we allow the devil meet us at the crossroads of decisions with fear, we're saying we don't truly and fully understand what God has done for us or what we mean to him. So tonight, as we round up, what do I want to say? I think it's all said in Romans 8 verse 15, and I'll read it. He says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have this, received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba Father. Abba Father means Daddy. Daddy. What is that mountain before you? He says, oh, Zerubbabel, but you cannot put your name there. That job or career opportunity that scares you to no end. 
that thing you sense you should be doing, but you're just unable to take the next step forward because you're not sure of the outcome. I mean, God is saying, I'm calling you. I'm with you. Would you see that there is nothing the devil has on you? Because you are called by my name. I have redeemed you. Fear not. Fear not. You are my child. You are my child. And I have not given you that spirit of fear. If you need me to open your eyes to see, ask. But I need to move you from your situation into your what? Position. Because that's who you are. Who you are. That's who you are. And today is my heart desire that fear would no longer hold us bound. Because every story we read in the Bible that excites us was a man and a woman like us who says, no fear. No. No. You won't stop me from being everything God has called me to be. Esther said, for this reason, maybe for this purpose, I am queen. So if I perish, I perish. I'm ready. (laughs) God loves me. I will do what he's called me to do. The three Hebrew children, Nebuchadnezzar built a golden statue and where everybody was bound up. Just imagine we're all in a big hall or probably on the open ground and everybody's bowed down and you see some teenagers standing like this. It takes somebody that knows the God that he serves. And they that knew the Lord, their God shall be strong and do what? Do exploits. Child of God, your father is saying, fear not. Hi. Fear not. I am with you. This equation is not circumstance greater than you. No. Because you are not alone. I am with you. Can we be upstanding? Can just begin to speak to God tonight. The promises God has for you, the freedom He's purchased for you, is for your taking. But the bridge to that is faith and not fear. Probably your prayer tonight is Lord, open my eyes to see. Probably you know, speak to that demon and say, no. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.